Welcome to the Engaging Personalities Podcast. I'm Anders Belanger, founder and CEO of Engageify, where we're on a mission to rehumanize business through engagement. We believe that we can all be more successful if we can command attention and deepen connection. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on a future episode. So let's get ready to engage. Our guest today is keynote speaker and founder and CEO of Peripheral Thinkers, a collaborative think tank where entrepreneurs, business owners, and corporate leaders learn, share, and apply lessons that propel their companies beyond obstacles and change the trajectory of industries worldwide. He's also chief revenue officer for Intelligent Contacts, which is a communications and payments SaaS company. He's a board advisor for two startups and also an author. Paul was labeled stupid, slow, lazy, and a daydreamer as a child. Undeterred, Paul has successfully applied lessons from one experience to the next, from personal to professional, industry to society, battlefield to cornfield. I want to ask you about that. Uh, his unique perspectives on challenging conventions and creating unlimited paths to success, regardless of market conditions, have influenced companies of all sizes, including GE, United Healthcare, Atos, WebMD, and AT&T. Please welcome to the program, Paul Daniels. Paul, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for that introduction. Yes. And you know what? Um, our listeners, most of them will know that I, my background is being a, a magician, you know, entertainment side of things before I came into doing what we do at trade shows and, and training companies on their, yeah. and their salespeople to be more engaging. And Paul Daniels, as you know, because I saw yes. an article, is a very, was a very famous uh, English magician. Right. Um, and uh, so whenever I hear that name, I'm, I, as a kid, <laughs> just, and I, I'm kind of going off track here, but as a kid yeah. growing up, uh, I didn't have very many channels. And when we finally got cable and I was probably like 11 or 12 years old in a small town of 500 people, I got to watch the Paul Daniels magic hour every Friday night at 11 PM. I got to stay up late and I recorded yeah. on my VCR. So anyways, I just have, I have fond go. memories just to that name. So I feel so connected to you already, Paul. Outstanding. Well, I'm glad. And my friends in the UK, uh, continue to tease me. Come on, Paul, give us a trick. Yeah. That's, Show us a little bit of magic. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Not a lot. That's the, <laughs> I uh, often will sign, you know, Paul Daniels, parentheses, not the deceased magician. Not, yes, right. exactly. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got that, uh, that out of the way and that cleared up. So, yeah. um, so I think, you know, our, our listeners are going to soon find out that you're, you're an unconventional thinker. And I mean, that's really what you're about. And, and before we dig into to that, I want to know more about you and how you came about to this. So what is, what is your background? We kind of touched a little bit on, you know, when you were younger, can you tell us that story so we can kind of better understand where you're, you're coming from on this? Yeah, sure. So uh, up until school age, um, like any normal kid having a ball, um, dreaming and, and seeing uh, the wonders of the world, uh, grew up in Southern California, riding my bike around the canyons of the San Diego area. Uh, you know, going to the beach and doing all those great things and school comes and it does what it normally does. It kind of puts you into uh, conventional approaches and they've got standardized lessons and testing and the like. Um, and I didn't do really well, but I, I wasn't necessarily failing. I was just really struggling. Now, our family moved a lot. So um, by high school, I was, I'd moved 14 times. And by age 30, I had moved 26 times. 
Well, so, is that military? I, is that because I, military? You know, I kind of wish it was military, though I do. I grew up around military. Um, I think my dad was yeah. just running away from the FBI. I don't know. We just kept changing our names. I'm kidding. Um, the, the, we just, we moved a lot. So I was always a new kid in school, which gave me a chance to kind of start over, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. if, but in the end of the day, the labels kind of stuck. They, it was, you're slow, maybe not that smart. And you might uh, be a little bit of a daydreamer. That even followed me into university, followed me into graduate, followed me into the corporate world. Uh, and at age 39, I was still considered kind of an outsider. Hey, now, Paul, you've already, you know, generated $1.2, $1.3 billion in recurring revenue by age um, 39, but we still don't quite understand how you do that. Age 40, our daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia. And I went, oh, I get that and that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And they said, well, would you like to be tested? Of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm paying for it. Why not? I found out I was dyslexic. Huh. And that opened up an entire world of language for me to reference, say, ah, th that's the skill I use as a dyslexic to achieve this. And since then, you know, not because of me, but a lot of people have studied this. We've cracked the code. The dyslexic super skills, and they are super skills, not just the learning difference of reading and writing. These super skills are found in some of the most prolific innovators throughout history. Einstein, Henry Ford, JFK, Richard Branson, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Muhammad Ali, the Wright brothers. I mean, it just the list goes on. So now having this foundation, I finally was able to explain Here's the skills, interpreting, uh, simplifying, and um, uh, inventing. Those are the three skills I use to create this solution for your customer or for your your company. So now so, I finally had it. And that's yeah. what we're thinking is it's the mirror image of those skills that are found innately within the dyslexic innovators that are now available to be learned and used by neurotypical people. Wow. So, so Paul, let me just rewind there for a second. So it wasn't until your diagnosis, like you were being successful, but yeah. you didn't know what your super skills were or what your, your superpower was. You were just kind of successful despite the fact that you were dyslexic. Yeah. You, you, you were, you didn't know you weren't diagnosed, right. but then once you were, that's what helped you actually decode why you were being successful. Is that, am I getting right. that right? It, it helped me put a language and terms to it. I knew that I've always seen things that most people miss mm. uh, and that I make connections between various forms of information, regardless of the source, and come up with new ideas, new approaches, new solutions, new products, new revenue streams. But being able to explain how I went from a tissue box to a letter of intent for $200 million deal took some explaining and people couldn't follow it. Well, it was this plus this plus this other. And then I had iced tea with this person on a front porch that, that owned some property, right? So it goes on from there. And eventually I end up with a $220 million deal that we did in six months when no one had ever done that in our industry in 16 months. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really good at making connections from completely different, you know, right. sources. 
you really piqued my interest there because you, this letter of intent with a Kleenex yeah. box is that we said now, can you, can you yeah. kind of just tell that story briefly? Cause it's kind of like, okay. you kind of dropped that on us and I'm like, what the <laughs> heck was that about? Cause I just, I just need to know what that is. Cause okay. I don't know. I can't I'll put do. the connections together here yet. So we, you need to give us more. Yeah, right on. I'll, I'll, I'll do it briefly. And, and frankly, if any of the listeners here want to have the full story, all we'll get some information out and I will send you an electronic copy, a free copy of um, the chapter I wrote in my uh, book specifically about this story. Okay. And it's free. Just We'll figure out how to do that. Okay. Andrews, Andrews will figure out how to do it. He'll tell you. So um, uh, it's Black Oak October and uh, my team had just done a great job. We closed about $10 million uh, two months ahead of our quota. And I received um, November 1st, my quota for the following year for North America. And it was $150 million. So I grabbed the Kleenex box because clearly my glasses weren't working right because $150 million, that's not right. So I'm cleaning my glasses and I'm like, okay, so that's not right. Um, the, the, the decimal's in the wrong spot. Company's never done more than $50 million worldwide. And I just did 10 and they're saying it's 15 times that for the following year. So quick call to the, the um, CEO and, and he confirms, yeah, it's $150 million. Good luck. Click. Okay. So I do what most people, you know, in the great leadership position do. I went shopping. Like not shopping for a client or no, like shopping, shopping. <laughs> so my wife and I were looking for property in North Texas and we're shopping around one weekend for property, found some property, loved it, but it's not for sale. Huh. Well, we figure out who the owner is, make some calls. Sure enough, Earl Johnson lives just 100 yards down the dirt road. And he says, well, why don't you all come by and we'll visit, but the property's not for sale. So we visit. Long story short, at the end of that, he said, well, I reckon you all are nice folks. So if I was going to sell it, I could give you the right of first refusal or first right of refusal, whichever the right term phrases. And I thought, oh, that's terrific. And then driving back to the city, I thought, that's what I need because I need a large client and I need to eliminate competition because our deal, si our deal cycle is about 16 to 18 months. And I've got less than 12. I've got 12 months at the time to get that done. So I have no time for competition, no time for RFPs. I've got to find a huge company that's 15 times bigger than any of the others that we've done. Uh, and the long story short, found them did the research. There's a whole, whole lot more of uh, peripheral thinking that was involved in crafting this message. The first meeting with the CIO, I walk out with a letter of intent signed by the CIO stating that they will work with us. We have X amount of time to confirm that we can deliver what we say we can, and we can have it unfettered access, no competition. If we meet the expectations, we go right into contract. That was the 1st of January, 1st week of January, and on June 7th, we signed the deal for $200,000. So, so you, you made your quota like way ahead of time and went right. over top of your quota, right? So, right. wow. Right. Right. And it was, it was by thinking differently, by seeing yeah. things differently, by taking different approaches. This particular client wasn't buying what I was selling, which was IT outsourcing. They were fine. However, the client needed 
um, to generate some revenue, some, some money, they needed to come up with money to build what's called a war chest. This is old sales speak, a war chest to pursue the largest piece of business that they had ever gone after. And we delivered that money and that war chest to them. And less than 18 months later, they signed a $1.2 billion per year deal using that war chest. And wow. I attached our value proposition to helping them win that business. Right. So, wow. Okay. So there's a lot going on there to, you know, for everyone to, to unpack. And uh, like you said, so what we'll do is I'll, I'll get the link or whatever, or yeah, yeah. we need to opt in and we'll, so people can dig into that story completely. So, um, wow. Okay. So let's, let's unpack, you know, peripheral thinking. Um, and, and you, you mentioned the three kind of, um, skills that, that fall under that. Can we, can you just kind of give us a better understanding of what it is? Because yeah. you've, you've told us, you know, what it's done for you on the sales side of things and, and, and just kind of, it, it is thinking outside the box in, in a way, but I don't want to just call it that. So can you just dig into it more so that we, sure. we can kind of better, get a better for our, for us neurotypical people? How do we do this, right? Like, you know. Yeah. And who would have considered neurodiversity to have actually super skills, right? Super skills yeah. are for the superhuman. And yeah. neurodiverse people are the less than. So right. uh, peripheral thinking mirrors 19 skills in six categories that have been identified as innate, innately found within dyslexics. Um, and I, I rattled off a few, like I said, there's 19, so I can't touch all of them, but in essence, peripheral thinking allows uh, it, it, you learn to see things from different perspectives from, uh, from, as you mentioned, outside of the box. And as you do that more and more, and you expand your awareness while in the periphery, mm -hmm. you gain insights that you store and apply and combine in unique ways to address a challenge or to achieve the next goal or a greater goal or find a new way of, of uh, a, a new direction, an additional path, a parallel path, whatever that is. So the, the quickest way to do it is sort of a, an, uh, a brief exercise. And we can do that now or I can send that also in the book, but it's, it's let's, an imagination. Let's do it now. I'm, I'm game. This is, right. I'm, so yeah, this is interesting. Look, if you're listening um, and you're listening, not watching, and you're driving, there's a part here, do not do this. <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay. okay, so imagine that you're in a mountain field covered with wildflowers. The sun is really warm on your face. Air is crisp and cool. And as you look out on the mountain field, bam, right in front of you is rising out of the the. Uh, flowers like a monolith, your biggest challenge ever for me, that $150 million quote, right? Okay. So put your hand in front of your eyes, right? It doesn't make sense, but that's what you do. You, you just put it in front of your face just so that you can't see what's in front of you, but you can still kind of move your eyes around. Well, you can't see that challenge right in front of you, but what can you do? Your eyes can see things by mm -hmm. looking up, look down, look yeah. left, look right. And you can find something that's that you've never seen before, even if you've been in the same room that you're in now for years. Okay, so I'm assuming that you found something. Again, if you were driving, this is the time not to be putting your hand in front of your face. You just get it. Okay, right. so, you yeah. can't, so you can't make out the details of what you saw, but you can at least acknowledge it. 
So I do this from the same room all the time. And there's a really unique um, shadow coming through my window here against a paint droplet on the wall. Okay, so I found something new, even though I've been in this home for 25 years. I can see that now it's more clear because I'm staring at it. That's peripheral awareness. Before it was mm -hmm. peripheral vision, now peripheral awareness because I'm looking at it. We look at that challenge in that mountain field and instead of staring at it, let's assume you move to the right, say a hundred yards. What does that new vantage point uncover about that challenge? Likely you get a little bit more detail, some depth, and you can walk all the way around that challenge in a circle, right? A 360 degree review. But you're still looking at that challenge from your perspective. And if you've got a team and you take them on that journey around it, it's also from their perspective, maybe filtered through their sense, uh, their set of experiences. So from that position, 100 yards to the right of the original starting point, instead of looking at your challenge this time, this time, look around. Now what can you see? Well, likely there are other objects, maybe different terrain, and there are other people, but those people, they're not part of your team or your company. They're not even part of your industry or your network, and they're not looking at your challenge. They have their own and their own way of achieving their goals, of overcoming challenges. They have their own processes, procedures, solutions. Those people's ideas and experiences may be just what you need to see your challenge from a new perspective using a very different reference point. Peripheral thinking takes seemingly unrelated ideas from the periphery and reassembles them. And what we did in the mountain field is called interpreting. It takes mm. those ideas, solutions, um, processes, procedures, proven uh, activities, and collects them in a way that they can be combined with other peripheral experiences so that you can interpret the principles and apply them to overcoming that monolithic challenge. It's what I did. Interpreting was one of the skills I used to overcome $150 million. And I think I did pretty well because we did 220. Right. So, so now, like, you know, this reminds me, you know, just of the, uh, you know, that what they call the RAS, reticular activating system. You know, this uh -huh. idea that, that we've got our unconscious helping us, looking right. for, for solutions. And, and it seems like, you know, you're, you've trained yourself to uh, look for those, uh, you know, helpful hints and tips and, and you know, ideas to combine uh, more so, you know, or you've, you've cultivated it's, that. Is that, with, is that actually kind the of way, a way of saying it? It's the way that the dyslexic brain is wired. Okay. So when I, what I've learned is how to teach other people right. to think that way. It's natural right. for me. It, 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 I was born with it. I, I can remember at age five having experience with my father and, and immediately knowing at age five, anything is possible. And I meant it, not just kind of as a kid, but like really anything is possible. I can see opportunities everywhere. It's like taking a lens off and you go, oh my gosh, it is so clear. It, it's actually um, uh, medically proven that dyslexics have a broader and more sharp 
peripheral vision. Wow. We just do. So it's the way the brain is wired. And peripheral thinking is just teaching your brain different ways to think uh, about the same issue. And the more we do it, we even shed the quote, thinking outside the box phrase, because the box in itself is a self-imposed constraint. Uh, right. And I felt bad saying thinking outside the box because it yeah. sounded like it, but it was too quaint, like too, you know, well, it's, wasn't, it's, uh, it's coming. Yeah. But yeah, there's, yeah. there is no box. We just think and we see and we right. do and we try. And of course we fail. We're, we're not, um, soothsayers and we we can't predict we do we do predict very well the future but i've made tons of mistakes but it's um it's fascinating and our clients my clients have have um have really enjoyed doing this and the results are you know lots and lots of, of new revenue and clients and terrific success trajectories changed industry some industries even changed it's been great fun okay i'll stop there well, I, I just, I find this so fascinating and, and I, I definitely uh, love the fact that you found, you know, this superpower, right? Like that you, and then that it's, that's the inspiring part of you. I, I really feel is that, you know, you've taken what some might consider a negative and it's, you know, a real positive. And, and that's inspiring to me too, because my daughter has, is diagnosed with dys- dyscalculia and dysgraphia. Oh, yes. Yes, And so she's, you know, just about to go into high school and she's struggling and, you know, and we're just trying to help her along, but it's, you know, she hasn't, she has strengths definitely. Right. But it's just in different areas. And so I I definitely want to tell tell her about this conversation when I get back home. In fact, Um, I'd be happy to speak with her about it. And I love speaking with young people that are in that spot because, because, because she's uh, neurodiverse, there are innate super skills found within her there are only between 10 to 15 percent of the population is dyslexic only about 20 percent is neurodiverse however 20 to 30 percent of entrepreneurs 40 percent of self-made millionaires are dyslexic in fact wow. nasa actively recruits people with dyslexia almost 50 percent of nasa is dyslexic and some have called dyslexia the mit disease because of the number of students that are there that have it wow the challenge is there aren't enough to fill the demand for the workforce in the year 2025 and beyond based on the skills needed so we must learn it even if we (laughs) so my point is i have to teach you to be dyslexic in order for you to be super successful going forward (laughs) sounds crazy right but because the world needs more of the small minority of us that are here. So that's my, that's my passion is teaching people how to tap into those super skills and it unlocks all kinds of, uh, of opportunities, regardless of the profession you're in. That's uh, that's, I mean, that's awesome. I just, I just love that. So, um, you know, there was something when I was kind of doing my research uh, before we, we, you know, got together here and you touched on it a little bit, but I kind of want to kind of explore this. And this is the idea, well, the idea of an idea repository, right? You uh, talked about collecting, you know, these different um, things mm-hmm. and, and how, how do you store them? Because for me, I, I would think the, the things I notice don't make sense until I need the, until they come together. So what is this idea repository and how can we kind of, you know, yeah. use this if, if, if sure. we can? So the, the peripheral resource library is the, is the 
tool that I've I've created, and we are expanding now to make it available for more and more people uh, online. But in essence, it's it's some um, four or five things that you can debrief any experience, um, things that come to mind. Sometimes I'll have people do it in the morning. I'll do it in the afternoon. They'll do you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds in the morning, lunch, and in the evening. And they start adding these experiences, peripheral experiences, to their peripheral resource library that have a contact, some context, some content, a conclusion, and a category. I mean, I can go on all kinds of other, you know, explanations about that. If you want to know more, you can find out more about that. But that is, in essence, the way that you, um, that becomes your repository. And as you have more interactions with other people, you're gaining insight. So it doesn't have to be just your experiences. I learn a lot by reading books, by, uh, yeah, I know, reading books. It takes me a long time, but I still do uh, reading books, um, seeing movies, just ex- walking around, talking with other people. And I'll take their pieces of wisdom and categorize them and put them into my resource library, which for me is my brain. So mm-hmm. as a dyslexic, it's all here. What we see and hear as dyslexics always reminds us of something else because we remember virtually everything. Not um, not like um, uh, photographic memory. It's more experiential photographic memory, if that makes sense. So for neurotypical, for anyone else, it's just capturing the principles. What's that lesson that I learned? And where did I learn it? And how do I categorize that? Okay, so that's about revenue growth. That's about risk avoidance. That's about... Um, changing the landscape, whatever you want to categorize. And when you have a goal and you say, boy, we're trying to generate, we're trying to double our revenue. Great. I'm going to go to my resource library and find categories that have double revenue or increased revenue and track back to the lesson, the principle that I learned from the person or the experience and some of the context. Take that in and go, now, how do I apply that? How do I apply that lesson I learned from Ivan, who's a friend of mine who owns six bakeries in Bulgaria? How do I apply the way that Ivan runs his business or the way he overcame um, a shortage in, in, uh, in materials, in the products to still satisfy his clients and grow from two bakeries to six? Okay, there's some interesting things. I'm not in the bakery business. Paul, I'm I'm home builder right? But just stay with me. <laughs> or I'm the bank president, or I'm the sales manager for a SaaS company. Right. Ivan still has great lessons. And so does the person at Home Depot. And so does the postal carrier. And so does walking around the block and just being aware of what's going on. So does the dog running across the road. There's lessons everywhere, which is why I say, look, you have access to everything you need to achieve anything you want. Truly. Some say it flies in the space of convention. Exactly. That's exactly right. You can access everything you need to achieve anything you want when you know where and how to look. And the where and how to look doesn't take a lifetime. I just taught you in a few minutes in that little exercise, one different way of where and how to look. And that reminds me a lot, uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with neuro-linguistic programming, uh, Paul, but I'm going to guess with your sales background that you might have come across it and and everything. And, you know, that was what, you know, the the founders would talk about is that our our mind is this vast 
you know, uh, vault of resources that we can have access to at any time, right? And to, right. to tap into that. And so I, I'm just seeing a lot of parallels, which, you know, whenever I see, th well, we're talking about making connections and seeing things in different areas, but right. whenever I see it over and over again, and, and, you know, you go, oh yeah, that's just like this. It just lends credibility to all of those instances, right? They're like, oh, exactly. there must be something to that, right? So, um, exactly. wow. Okay, so let me, let me ask you this question, because sure. you are a Chief Revenue Officer of Intelligent Contacts, and with your well, your, your, your sales force, your marketing, you know, um, departments, how, how do you kind of, do you cascade this down to them to get them thinking out of the box? Uh, oh, I did it again. Peripheral okay. thinking. Um, yeah. And how, so what is, what have you done, you know, in terms of maybe there's innovations or, or those sort of things? Uh, can you kind of speak to that? Uh, I'd be absolutely. curious. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, one of the things that, um, that, Peripheral things has allowed me to do uh, as CRO for Intelligent Context and, and being CRO for other companies and EVP of sales. I've been president of, of, of division. I've run two of my own companies. The focus is always on the client. What do they need? I need mm -hmm. to get in front of what they need so that I'm preparing for what they may need in the future. And that requires more than just a, a linear view. Right, we our brain typically looks at a challenge. It examines the challenge. It looks beyond the challenge. What's that goal that I'm trying to achieve? I reference the past. What's worked previously? What are my competitors doing? What's the industry trends that are coming in? That's very logical. It's common. It's conventional. It's not what innovators do. They think differently about it. They go to that mountain field and look for other things. So it's simply asking some questions. Great. So um, why why would our clients want to do that? Well, because the industry says this, okay, great. Um, conventional wisdom and industry best practices are designed to give you some standards. They're also designed to have everybody look the same. Even the trends when adopted by our clients make them look the same. So it's mm -hmm. the path to mediocrity. And, and sadly, if you stay on that path long enough, you'll be irrelevant. So we can't be irrelevant, always somebody coming and disruption comes from outside the industry. So we look outside and we say, what are other industries doing preparing for the recession? What has, uh, what is the bakery industry, just to pick up on Ivan again, but how did they handle um, the great depression? Well, you can't imagine the number of innovations that happened during the great depression, right? So in that sales environment, I'm always asking, where else can we get information to get ahead, to be different? We have to think different. To, um, to succeed, we must get in front of and advance of our clients' needs and satisfy their needs now. Even if I'm selling something that's very similar to something else, how do I tie that to a more important, a more transcendent, more transformational initiative by my clients? Right? How did I sell $200 million of just IT outsourcing? Well, I attached it to $1.2 billion in new revenue for our client. They just happen to use us as the vehicle. So at Intelligent Contacts, we do the same thing with our solutions. We're looking always at new technology, but how is it applied specifically to transform the experience for our clients and make their business 
hugely successful. Nothing better than a client that loves you and wants to tell everybody about it. Did that kidding. answer your question? Yeah, yeah and then some. Okay. Uh, okay. So, Paul, I've interviewed, interviewed quite a few people and, and my, my mind kind of just spins when I'm listening to you because it's just like, oh yeah, that's like this and that's like this. And so you're, uh, I think you're just being around you, you're having an effect on me with, uh, with some of my ideas because uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 one of the things that came up for me and are you familiar with Jay Abraham? He's like yeah, a marketing absolutely. guru. He's, yeah, he, absolutely. He does a like, because he's worked with so many different industries, like it reminded me of the, the, bakery thing in Bulgaria. Like, yeah. you know, he steals things. I'm one example he had, and maybe this is, maybe this is the same kind of thing was, uh, there was a baker. No, this was a bakery. This is a different bakery who used the idea of trade-ins like uh -huh. a car. Have you heard of this one? No. And so people would bring in, uh, their crust from another bread, another loaf of bread, Mm -hmm. And they would get a certain discount or a free loaf of bread with a purchase uh -huh. of a loaf of bread or whatever it was. There was some sort of deal. Yep. And so it was so innovative, so different that the news picked up on it and it became like, it was like guerrilla marketing in that sense. Like it was, right. you know, just an idea. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's so much um, room for well, innovation. Absolutely. And, know, like, and, and innovation in itself to innovate is not, to create a brand new something. In fact, there are no new somethings. If you break it down to the basic elements, they're, they're not. Uh, JFK said, we're going to go to the moon uh, by the end of the decade. Conventional wisdom wet itself. And then peripheral thinking jumped in. Of course, it was NASA that said, great, tell every industry around the world we'll take all their ideas, whatever they have, we'll take it. So we can start sifting through to literally weave technology, material, and a bunch of other things together to do this. And they succeeded, not because they had to come up with a new chromium, whatever that is. It's, I need a spacesuit that's airtight. Who has airtight things? And I also yeah. need to be able to have some monitoring in there. So I need some technology. And they started bringing those things together and putting them together. Wright Brothers didn't create wood. They didn't create a propeller. They didn't create an engine. It was already there. Yeah. Right? They put it together in a unique way. An electric engine, they're not creating electricity. Electricity already exists. Electric motors already exist. How do you apply that principle in a new way to achieve something different or yeah. to, to make something better? Yeah. That is that is the secret of innovation. Steal from others in a way that's not, you know, robbing their IP and just apply it and tweak it to your situation. Yeah, I, I see a lot of, um, I think they call it a hierarchy of ideas, right? Or hierarchy, mm -hmm. like the idea that you chunk up, like what, and you, if you go, here's this idea in one industry, what is that an example of kind of like your categorization of, of those right. ideas and you go, it's, it's this. And then to go laterally across to another industry and then find the example that makes sense there. And it's just making that, that leap uh, across, but right. having this like, and, and again, how you teach people to think like this, to give them the, the structure uh, to be able to, to make those associations is, uh, is amazing. Um, when, you, when you make that connection with your baker in Bulgaria, yeah. don't stop there. Figure yeah. out who the baker knows 
Well, a baker has a, a banking account. They have suppliers. Yeah. They have customers. And that, is, that takes lateral thinking, which is very common. You just kind of going one step aside. Peripheral thinking goes laterally and then branches out from there. Right. Yeah. Right. And brings all of that back through one channel, multiple channels. And that's how you feed that peripheral resource library. Wow. Okay. Um, so lots to, lots to learn, lots to unpack. How can people <laughs> get a hold of you, uh, Paul? Because I think there's going to sure. be people who are curious. Um, so what's the best way yeah. they can reach out and find out more? Certainly can follow me on LinkedIn. It's, uh, you know, linkedin.com slash in, and it's Paul Daniels, J-R, Paul Daniels, Jr. Uh, you can go to my website, which is pauldanielsjr.com. You can also find it by going to peripheralthinkers.com. They link together. And there's a contact tab there. If you go to the contact tab, put in your information. I don't sell it, believe me, none of that. And you put in this show and say, book in the comments. I'll send you an electronic copy of my chapter from Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Entrepreneurs that gives you the story of that $200 million deal. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. My pleasure. Oh, and my, for, for my personal generosity. mobile phone number, if they want to get a hold of me, I'm not giving you my personal mobile. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I was like, I was kind of like, whoa, he's going there. He's going, oh no, no, he's not going there. Okay. All right. The look on I was your like, face okay. priceless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. People are just listening. They'll, they'll have to check out the YouTube yeah, uh, right. video. Just go to the end. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to be here, to share with us your super skills and, and you know, how you can teach people to think, uh, think like you. Um, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate you being here. Uh, the pleasure has been mine. I, I absolutely love your show and what you're doing with it. And the engaging with people, that's, uh, that's at the heart of everything I do. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. All right. Thanks again, Paul. And thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, stay engaged. Thank you so much for listening to Engaging Personalities. If you believe this world needs more engagement and you're an industry leader or you have an interesting take on rehumanizing business, go to go.engageify.ai slash podcast hyphen guest to apply and come on the show. If you got something out of this interview, do you mind sharing it on your social media? Just grab a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag engaging personalities. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, engageify.ai, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and stay engaged.